Welcome to the American Made and Paid Show, the home of free speech and independent thought. The big story is freedom of speech is really in trouble. The far left knows that at any time they can call for a sponsor boycott of anyone they despise. It is right here, right now, where you'll get your weekly dose of unfiltered truth. It's non-negotiable. Pre-existing conditions will be protected. This president has said this as a candidate. Insight. Very few people I know could have handled it. We can never, ever let this happen to another president again. An information that challenges the American way of life. All right, everybody, welcome back to the American Maiden Page Show. I am your host, Zach King. I got Professor Dreg with me to here today, and I thought we'd shift gears for this episode of the podcast, talk a little bit about uh, recovery, addiction. Um, it's something that I've been going through a little bit just in my own growth as a person, but also uh, in my co-host's experience, we're convinced that there are certain processes when it comes to rehabilitation and recovering from addiction. And one of those things is the history of the 12-step process, uh, sort of the foundation for Alcoholics Anonymous. So for those of you who are listening and are probably like, oh, well, why are you guys talking about recovery and addiction and everything? Well, because interestingly enough, one of the things that we want to dive into on this podcast is not just about the politics behind things, but also why having a belief right in behavioral interventions or faith is actually essential for you know overcoming overcoming addictions and part of the progressive course of history is by continuing to keep people in bondage and part of a recovery process is setting you free nobody no addict no former addict has ever said i regret going through therapy or rehab and coming clean and they always talk about it as as far as freedom is concerned, not being enslaved to something, which is why that's how we're going to tie it back all together. Uh, and like I said in the beginning of this podcast, this is probably going to be a little bit more personal and going to talk a little bit on the consensus of faith. And this is one of the things that we can do on this podcast and be honest with each other is because Professor Dreg actually comes from more of the scientific method uh, you know, metric, imperialistic, uh, you know, numerical, it's like, I need to see the numbers or it don't work type perspective, which is good. So it's not just, you know, one guy who has faith, who believes that God can take away your addictions and all of that. But I thought we'd switch shift gears and talk about that a little bit more. Um, but for those of you who are not familiar with the 12 step process, I'll go into it a little bit more thoroughly, but real quick, uh, professor drag, I wanted to ask you in your experience, even though it is anonymous because of the aspect of the 12 step process, which means, you know, famously historically, it's always been difficult to study by necessity. There's no records of who attends the meetings, people who come and go and, you know, that that's where the trademark name comes from anonymous, right? Because no conclusive data exists on how well it works. Yet we have data from people who have recovered from something like alcoholism and addictions. Why in your experience, you indicated this in a previous episode of the podcast that, hey, recovery through the 12 step actually works, even though it's not rigorous in the scientific community. Well, uh, well, let me make some corrections to your statement. Uh, I think there has been a push in the scientific community in the past recent years that 12 steps is probably the most successful behavior therapy out there. Uh, 
Okay. I know it was hard for me to switch over. Well, so here's the thing. This is this is how I think we can talk about this. I believe that it works, but I'm also somebody yeah, well, who has faith. But but here's the thing. I want to know from you, from your experiences and your uh, from your journey, why you think it's worked and why there's been a push. Yeah. Well. Okay. So I don't like for me per, uh, personally. I don't like when you know when when I'm working with a client. Mm-hmm. I I don't. Uh, I don't engage in the 12 steps. You know, I, you know, my specialty would be uh, function, behavior function analysis. Okay. So I pretty much analyze people's behaviors and, and I try to figure out, you know, what steps to take and whatnot. But right, right. The thing is, and the reason why we're not successful is because we depend on medications. And, and so you're just, actually prescribing medications to these people who are overcoming addiction. Yeah, well, well, not me personally, but you know the medical doctors. The medical doctors make that yeah, recommendation. They have, okay. They're the ones that prescribe the meds. And seriously, like, there was a time when group used to be like this: four mm-hmm. steps. You know, um, do what the doctor tells you. Take your medications. Come on time, and don't speak out of turn. And those are the four things you have to follow to get out. You know. And to be back in a normal environment, that's all you have to do. Take your medication, do what the doctor tells you, come to group on time and, you know, participate and be appropriate or something, some BS like that. Right. right. uh, But the thing is, so just for me personally, because I know right now this is considered like this type of therapy would be considered abusive or whatnot. But there was a time when when punishment was part of behavior management. Right, right. Uh, to decrease behaviors that you didn't desire, didn't want. Or increase the behaviors you want. See, you never say, oh, we're trying to get rid of behaviors. Like, you never say, oh, we're punishing you to decrease your negative behaviors, like smearing or, or SIB. You always say, we're doing this to increase desired behaviors so but anyway but the thing is the notion that god is gonna take things away never crossed anybody's mind you know what i mean like we never considered somebody's cultural background religious background everybody just assumed meds were the way to go right right Uh, and me personally i never believed in medications because i knew they didn't work but i did know everybody responded to uh well punishment which is another way of saying pain compliance. Well, so here's the thing that, that I would present for that, right? Now, uh, talking about punishment, I, I am somebody who's still a little bit neutral on the aspect of punishment being used as a suitable method for decreasing behavior. But here's the thing. Um, we, you know, to go back to the 12-step oriented process, right, where you are overcoming addictions, do you feel that the reason why in your experience that medications don't work is because what you're doing is you're just replacing that addictive behavior with a different addiction, well, with a different form of dependency? Well, okay. So you got to realize, you know, I, I come from a background where we were gil- uh, giving um, Stalazine and, and, and um, oh, I forgot, Melaril. You know, like we were giving medications to people that were creating lesions in your brain. Right, right. <laughs> like a, a, <laughs> lesions in your brain. Wow. Yeah, no, like massive brain lesions. So you know, of course, we stopped doing that, and, and there was like, come on, there was some, you know, there were so many medications. I remember this one medication would make your gum swell, 
-hmm. And if you got hit, your teeth will come right out, you know, and basically it was used for anti-seizure, but they also use it for other purposes too. And that was the thing. It's like all of these side effects, you know, to the body, it didn't help anybody get anywhere. Uh, so, you know, and just, just from what I saw, and I want to stress this punishment is nothing more than pain compliance. You know, they use that, you know, like in the old days, they used to call it a, a interrogation techniques, just regular interrogation, you know, like the, or wherever, you know, certain people would use it to get your enemies to talk. And it's the same thing that you would use like in these mental institutions, just mm -hmm. pain compliance. And uh, that was a, a real thing. And uh, so medications just weren't working on these people. And, uh, you know, you're not going to give somebody a drug if you're going to interrogate them. Right. Because there's no such thing as a truth serum. <laughs> there just isn't. So you would think that you're going to break somebody mentally by torturing them. And, and you know, is, is that true? Well, if you could, the theory is this. If you can simulate death, then they're going to speak. Because, it, you know, like we spoke about this about suicide a little bit. It is the nature of every living being to fight for life. To fight for life. To fight for the preservation of, of themselves. Of your own life. Seriously, like, it, yeah. it's just so... If you're fighting for your life and the only thing stopping you from dying is letting go of the truth, the theory is they're going to spill the truth if they believe they're going to die. And, and And so, you know... And so coupled with all of those experiences, I know, you know, medications, basically all they do is get you high. And as long as you're high, you're not going to really be a threat to anybody or anything. And, you know, you're always in constant supervision. So, but it doesn't really help anybody, you know, get, as they say, reacclimated into a normal society. Okay. So let, that's, that's a good place to, to that. I'm glad that you, you know, chimed in with your experiences with medication and that I think we didn't adequately define 12 steps for people who are listening. So what it is, well, I know, we original, didn't, well that's my yeah. point. Like, I don't know anything about 12 steps. Well, yeah. Let me, let me redefine it here for a second because I'm just talking about it as far as the guiding principles to overcome uh, addiction and, and to ease recovery. Right. So the 12 steps originally was a, uh, a sort of a, a fellowship that was founded by Bill Wilson and Bob Smith uh, back in the 30s during the Great Depression. Now, these guys were alcoholics. When I say alcoholics, I mean like they could not live without drinking. So to, to talk a little bit about the 12 steps, you know, I'll just kind of briefly go through it. And these were the original steps that were published by Alcoholics Anonymous, right? So yeah. it, the first thing is... The first, let me interrupt. And then, and then after you explain it, then I will tell you what we were taught about it. Okay. So okay. This is good. This is good. So that way you yeah. know why we don't advocate for it. So the first thing is admitting that the individual themselves, we are powerless over alcohol in this case or addiction, right? That our lives have become unmanageable. The second thing is to believe that there is actually a power, a higher power greater than yourself that can only restore you to sanity. The next thing is to make that decision to turn your will and your life over to that higher power or God, as we understand him. Then make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Admit to God, to ourselves, and to other people, other humans, your support system, the exact nature of your wrongs. And you have to be entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Ask God to remove our shortcomings. And then make a list of the people that you have personally affected or harmed and be willing to make amends. Make direct amends to people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure 
injure them or others. And then you continued to take personal inventory and then we were wrong and, and admit that you were wrong promptly doing that. And then the last couple of steps is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And then having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps and indeed also carrying the message, helping other people who are going through addictions and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I just want to quickly also say before you get to your point that these practices as established by Bill Wilson and Bob Smith, right? They did not make AA a Christ Christian centered organization, even though it's foundational in Christian principles. Um, today, there are more than 100,000 AA groups worldwide and nearly 2 million members, right? And it functions exactly, this is where you're going to love this, it fun functions exactly as a godly philanthropy should. And I'm reading from a book called The Lamb's Agenda. It has no leadership hierarchy, no political agenda, no lobbyists, no reliance on government funding. And Wilson actually himself called AA a benign anarchy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's funny. Isn't, but it, yeah, that's actually kind of freaky. That kind of explains why we're. But, but see, here's the thing it's because it serves as a valuable model for how a believer, right, in a higher power and themselves can help solve a major societal problem as an outreach of Christian ministry without government intervention. So this kind of ties into a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. Now, what were you taught about the 12 steps? See, now, okay, so, God, I hate to say things like this, but because it kind of makes me feel stupid now, you know, like looking back. <laughs> Benign anarchy, I love that. He no, wrote that. We honestly believe this. Okay, so basically, long story short, you know, 12 steps, it was a hokey program where people looked to God, you know, to get help with their problems that are not really that serious. You know what I mean? Like all these people have minor, oh, they can't handle their liquor. That's not a serious problem. These people just need a friend, an ear, you know, or an ear to, you know, an ear to dump their problems on that doesn't require professional help or medication. Right. Because in, in the old days, and not that I'm that old, but we were taught that, you know, alcoholism doesn't need meds. And if you don't need meds, you don't need professional help. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like we just didn't consider these types of problems like a real serious problem because the thing is like this, like if you're a real addict, yeah, it's going to destroy your life. And if, if it's destroying your life, then you need medication. You need to be in front of a therapist, you know, because it's not just about the alcohol. It's about your abuse of father or you're you know you're sexually abused by your grandmother you know right. somewhere you know beating you and it's not the alcohol it's something else so you know what i mean it, it's uh like Dude, the baby the baby's oh, leeching into the recording <laughs> oh uh she's singing <laughs> she's, it's funny. anyway we're listening and be like what is going on over there so anyway yeah. so uh 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 so, so, but you get my point, right? We were honestly taught that there is no space for religion or God in the behavioral uh, sciences or, 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 or psychiatry. We just, because that was a sign of weakness. How many people, and, and this is, you know, really something to consider. How many people who are mentally ill claim to be somebody religious? Like, I remember uh, this one guy goes, would you believe me if I said I was Jesus Christ? And I said, no, what about, 
Matt, uh, what about Luke? No. What about John? No. Mark? No. Matthew? Yeah, because that's your name. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but see, because the one thing that work, that I'm pretty proud to say that, you know, like not all of my work was a joke, was grounding. So, you know, when somebody is schizophrenic or somebody who's really mentally ill, you have to ground them to reality. And I believe that's what 12 steps do. Like 12 step really does function really well using religion. You know, when that is not even about religion, it's about your belief, your individual belief in God. And that's right. what, because that's the whole beauty of the 12 steps. But let's, 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 let's just go back to why. But that's why, because, you know, there's no room for God because we believed it's that. It's part of the progressive agenda. Well, not just progressive uh, agenda. God is part of the mental illness. So if you're really truly mentally ill and you're spouting all these crazy things about God and religion, you know, it, it's, yeah, a lot of us just believe that. Like that was just one of the symptoms of your mental illness. So nobody was like, yeah, let's go to the high, you know, 12 steps and believe in this higher power thing because it could be real damaging if you're not grounded in reality. Because who knows if God's really talking to somebody or not. Because if, if you speak to God, uh, and this goes back to the Hacksaw Ridge, uh, the guy from Hacksaw Ridge, right. everybody tried to say he was mentally ill because God was talking to him. And he goes, well, God is not telling me anything. It's just my belief in what he's telling me. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I think that that's the thing is what we were taught is that not religion, because I don't think of a relationship with God as being a religion. It's when people talk about religion, they talk about it as if it were a world of bondage. To, to tie it back to the world, to the 12-step the process of recovery, every person who goes through it and successfully completes it talks about it, talks about them being free from their addiction. And I think that there's a difference here in the scientific community. From what I understand, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, where they talk about managing addiction and then talking about being free from addiction. Because one thing implies that it's going to be with you the rest of your life. You hear that commonly from therapists. Like, you're, you're going to have this forever. Whereas the 12-step process is like, you are free from this and it is gone and you abstain from it. Like, that's the thing with these alcoholics that have gone through the process, right? They no longer desire another drink of alcohol. And in fact, they, they live the rest of their lives abstaining alcohol. from alcohol. Right. Well, see, and they're okay with that. That's yeah, the thing. Well, but here's where, okay. So the theory is this, if it's not just like in order to really be called an addict, it has to be just like, you shouldn't be able to function. Like you, you can't work. You're going to lose your house, like a gambling addiction. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you're an addict when you're going to lose your home, when you lost your wife and kids you know, you're getting, you're engaging in behaviors that are self-destructive, like physically, like you might, uh, you know, do something that you might not normally do that may or may not get you a disease that can kill you, you know, just because you're, you're an addict. And that's, those are the things that you have to really look at when it comes to addiction, you know, from a point where you have to be committed to a program like a lock facility or something versus just like, oh, I, I'm a, like a regular dude going to AA. A lot of this time it's because the judge makes you go. 
Right. 12% you know, of the people who are there are mandated by court. So for example, if you have a DUI, some of them mandate you go to AA. Yeah. No, and it's true. Some of them do because I remember this one judge, he, uh, he, uh, he was an alcoholic and he swears by 12 steps. And, uh, and I never really talked to him much other than I dismissed him a lot because I thought uh, he's just one of those religious dudes. You know what I mean? So I never really was open to it because it went against what we were taught. And uh, so, but, you know, he is a judge. And he went to the program and support, like, I wish, you know, now I wish I would ask him more about his personal life. But what I hear was just hearsay from what, you know, other people had told me that this dude used to drink like a fifth every, like a fifth is a, is a, is a leader. Yeah, that's a lot of alcohol. Yeah, no, but he would drink. You got a, a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, but he would drink a fifth while he was working. <laughs> so he was a high functioning addict, right? Well, not just no, but he lost everything. Okay, okay. So oh, clearly, it did. Addiction eventually did destroy. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, see, but that's the point. So and yeah. and uh, he's and he says that he right. went through therapists and and you know he was in a you know I don't want to say any like because I don't want to badmouth any programs, but he went to a locked facility. And uh, he said, none of those things worked except for AA. And, uh, and then see, but then not because of this judge, but within the past 10 years, people really started looking into people's religion and faith as a matter of getting better. Because mm -hmm. I'm not saying like I believe in faith healing, but you know, the power of the mind, like, when you believe in something like a placebo, like a placebo really does work. And uh, so is religion a placebo? Well, it could be in many, you know, and that's, I mean, I, I, cause I don't want to take away from someone's religion and, and, and the 12 step program because the stats are all there. It's the most successful way <laughs> of therapy for anybody in right. any addiction. It just works. And that's why I'm an advocate for it now you know, for dealing with the homeless situation, because mm. a lot of these people who are drug addicts, the only way to get out is through AA, because, uh, you know, other right. methods just won't work. Well, here's the thing, though. Let's talk about the, the steps a little bit more, because uh, like I had mentioned, this is not just something that's faith based, right? If you want to call it that, I mean, it's worked for people who don't believe in God as well. It really has. But it's this idea that when you acknowledge a higher power, the first step of the process is that you are powerless over this behavior. So it's almost like you've given up your compulsive instinct. And that's the first step. To act. Yeah, yeah, your compulsive instinct, which means like, for example, it, it's, it's almost like you stop becoming selfish. Think See, about it. And that's true. See, selfish. and that's where we agree. See, we agree, like, well, not we. I don't want to speak for every psychologist, psychiatrist, but see, but that's the truth. The very first thing you have to do is admit that you got a problem. Because if you can't admit it, then, you know, I can't help you because you don't see it. But then that's, but then, uh, but in the old days when we could use pain compliance, you didn't have to admit it. Because, you know, basically, long story short, we could beat it out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, and believe it or not, a lot of this gay conversion therapy is basically getting, you know, beating the gay out of you. That's all that is. And, uh, you know, and that's... I can see how it would be rather controversial and obviously yeah, not course. welcome in the community. But see, you know. but that was acceptable in the old days. Now, not so... Now, not at all. I wasn't saying not so much, but yeah, look, that's not acceptable. So yeah, the first step 
that's the first thing you have to do. In the first steps, uh, you have to admit that you're powerless over whatever addiction and your life's unmanageable. And, mm -hmm. but again, like I said before, when they say unmanageable, we have to see it as destroying your life when you're going to go to jail or lose your, like something drastic. So, but see, yeah, here's I'm, the thing. There's there's moral relativism even within those statements. That's why some people don't actually get clean. I mean, there are people who just decide that, well, screw it, I'm going to go to jail. And then not, it's it's like you've dismissed the fact that you have a problem because you are okay with the consequence. See, that now that's where a lot of people fall short too because people say, well, it don't work because this guy clearly went through it and it didn't work for him. But But we also need to understand that from what I've read on, is that being relative and almost being indifferent to the consequence and the outcome is in, in its own way not admitting that you are uh, powerless to stop it by yourself. That's why it's effective because yeah. people will go into it and be like, because here's the thing, you got to go into it like you're going to purge this once and for all. Not go into it and say, I'm going to be clean for 90 days. <laughs> that, but, that, but that's human error right there. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. When you go into it and you're just like, I'm just here for a reboot. I got to get my fix. I got to be clean for three months. It's like, no, nah, you went for three days and then you had a drink. You no, see? but you so, know what? It, that I laugh because you know how many times I told somebody, dude, you just got to suck it up for three months. You know what I mean? Like just suck it up for like six months. However long you're in here, just suck it up. <laughs> yeah. And they'd suck it up. You know what I mean? It's like, and then, and it doesn't help them at all. It doesn't help. It really yeah. does it. It's just, and you know, they're going to come right back. <laughs> because you because here's the thing though a lot of those that 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 is like your human here's the thing and this is my theory stop me at any point but that's the human mind not the spirit and not the body but the human mind rationalizing a deadline almost like a delayed reward but you have to understand that if you're going to go through this you're done for good like yeah. you are never, and in man, I actually want to talk to some, a friend of mine who actually overcame cocaine and alcohol addiction. I'm not sure how he do it. It was actually, uh, I won't mention his name, but he's, he's a prominent poli political walkaway type guy and he yeah. overcame cocaine and alcoholism. So I actually want to ask him about that. It's like, how did you do it? And, and the thing is he's, he has to live a life of like, yeah, I'd never touch a drink ever again in my life. It's like, I, I'm like, like, think about it, right? I've actually don't know many people who are like, no, I'm 10 years sober. But they have to know that they're never going to drink again. They're never going to drink again. It's not, it's not like I'll have a drink here and there like the people who don't struggle with addiction. It's no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite literally abs abstinent. Like no more alcohol for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, well, that's me. I've never drank except for twice in my life. But I always knew because I grew up with a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot, you know, like Trump. Trump's seen his brother as an addict. Through trauma, yeah, Fred Trump. And so... I, I, same thing. I've seen way too many people, you know, on drugs and alcohol. In fact, like that's how I knew I was going to get in the medical field. It was, I was really young and I, you know, I, I helped the lady, you know, her veins, she you know, her veins collapsed in her arm. So she oh, needed man. to tie her up and, uh, and find a needle. And she said, come on, you can do it. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing? And I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> and I shot her up and I'm thinking crap. So I knew what? What? <laughs> that's messed up man no but you know like because it was just one of those crazy things you know it was like a chick and she was you know like a junkie hot i hate to say but you know there's some junkies that look really good and uh 
but you know uh so anyway long story short I, I gave her that shot i found the needle and i was like hey you know what i can do this for a living you know and i i should get into some kind of medical field and become a doctor but you know at that time i wanted to be a medical doctor uh because i thought it was easy you know because <laughs> I, I gave this lady a yeah. shot you know i was like yeah i mean you know i shot her up found her needle uh found her vein and psh, did a good job but anyway um but my thing is like this, going back to what you had said. When I knew I, I was going to be addicted to alcohol or Coke or something like that, because I knew how I am my personality wise, you know, like, you know, it's like, I don't know. I have an addictive personality. I yeah, know that if, you know, I, if you know. I have a hit of cocaine, I've, I've never done cocaine, but if I had a hit of it, I think knowing the type of person I am, Oh, you don't want I it. just believe I'd probably be hooked on it. Let's and see, if not hooked, I would be using it regularly. It's just, I have addictive personality, you know? Well, see, but that's why I think number two came in eight, like step two, because, you know, the first step we covered, the second step would be came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And uh, I, I like that step. Because some people have it innately, like it's just an innate behavior. Like right. I always like, I don't know, like, cause now I'm starting to believe in God again. You know what I mean? Like I believed as a little kid and then my brother tucked me out of it. I was like, what? You're, you know, no, because yeah, he introduced you to a world of sin. <laughs> no, no, just an atheist. Like he taught me how to be an atheist because, you know, he just, cause my brother was really smart. No, but my brother's like, now he's a born-again Christian. It's insane. And I thought, where did he lose his logic? But anyway. Uh, where did no, he lose his logic? Because he goes, you know, like, he can't see God in the clouds. It's like, there's no x-rays and all this other stuff. There's no God. It's just impossible. And uh, anyway, so, uh, so ever since then, I've been an atheist. But I, I think deep down inside, I think everybody has this innate ability to, to, have, to know that there's a... a, a you know, like a, a power greater than them. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I think even the greatest scientists, that's why they keep looking for life outside of this or outside of this, try to discover this, try to discover that, because why? Well, man There's has a power greater than us. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually something that the scientific community actually doesn't disagree on. And that man has an innate desire to seek out more than themselves and the divine. Like for, for believers, like, oh, man is, is always in search of that. Yeah. And, Here's the thing, though. Another thing that I want to remark, I was watching a David Goggins uh, interview last night. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's that Navy SEAL who wrote the book Can't Hurt Me. He's <clears throat> getting pretty popular. Um, you know, like one, he's considered in the world to be one of the toughest men on the planet. We're talking about a guy who ran a 100-mile race when he was Whoa. like 250 pounds. He was running the last 20 to 30 miles of it with broken bones because his weight wow. couldn't support and he had hairline fractures all over his legs and he ran it. So we're talking about a Navy SEAL, a guy who has overcome like, you know, he's has the world record for the amount of pull-ups done in 24 hours, which is like 4,000, something ri wow. ridiculous. Like yeah, just the, 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 the edge of human potential because of his mindset. And it's funny. I'm not sure if he, he believes in a higher power, but interestingly enough, his way of phrasing it, which is interesting, right? Regardless of whether he believes in God or not, was that he was talking to Tom Bilyeu on Impact Theory. I want to share this with the listeners. And he said something like, the way I overcome my, my, my problems and want to push myself to my limits is knowing that who created me or a higher power has a chart 
of human potential. And I want him to erase it or rewrite it because I'm going to outperform that chart. So it's like even he, as somebody who is not necessarily struggling with addiction, has that vice of like wanting to improve himself constantly to get to that higher place is a form of it. So he's acknowledging that there's something bigger than himself. No, but like, God, that's so interesting that she said that because I'm not kidding you. Like, because, you know, I told you I've been starting to read the Bible and I'm still stuck on like in Genesis because it's incredibly insane. That is one of the most things, like, I've never read anything. It's a book of warfare, conquest, and creation. (laughs) No, but no, no, no. But going back to what this guy said, no, but I'm not kidding you. When I read the Bible, you know, when he's talking about, you know, be, you know, be fruitful, multiply, and all this other stuff. But he's literally telling you that your kids are going to be more like me than you. So our kids, like, when I have a kid my kid is going to be more like God than I ever could be. So our kids are always going to be better. Always. That's the whole purpose of having kids is because eventually at some point, our kids are going to be so powerful that they're going to be closer to God than anybody else. And the thing is like, but I think he meant like with technology, with, with abilities, with, because uh, I hate, now I'm going to sound crazy, <laughs> but it's an open dialogue. Go ahead. Yeah, well, okay. So the thing is like this, and I'm fascinated. How did God travel and why did he appear like as a bush? Right. So somehow something, because if you understand how gravity waves travel, everybody believes it's a wave, but it's not a real true wave. It's a bunch of particles acting as one. Like, like in Star Trek, when you see, uh, when they, they transport off all these little particles, and then they materialize somewhere else, Scotty right? Them up. <laughs> yeah, beat me up, Scotty, Scotty. But anyway, so, uh, but that's, but I believe that our kids are, are going to be able to somehow, some way do something like that, like be able to just, you know, act like a particle wave at some point. You know, I mean, that's like billions and billions of years of, uh, and that's how I see evolution. We're going to just evolve where we can travel from point A to point B throughout the universe because, you know, we become more and more in tune with what God really wants. You know, and I think all of these tests or trials that, you know, like, because in the Bible, everything seems so primitive. It's like, wow, this is insane. But it's still happening now. So we're not that evolved from when moses was alive seriously like the stuff that moses went through we're still going through it it's like identical it's like isn't this like five thousand years old or ten thousand years old and you're gonna tell me we haven't evolved in ten thousand years and i'm thinking no one understands the bible because we haven't evolved we're still i'm gonna hate to say things like this but we're still playing with our butts (laughs) you know what i mean and it's like and then it you know, and, and the whole second step is we have to restore ourselves to sanity, but what is sanity? And I'm thinking if we're still dealing with these types of things, come on, we're always going to be insane. And that's, I mean, there's like so many reasons why, like these 12 steps are really awesome when you really get into it. But, but, uh, 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 yeah, but let's just focus back on the 12 steps, but no, but going back to that Navy SEAL, He's yeah. onto something because I'm telling you, 
we are not even close to our potential as human beings. Yeah. Not even close. Of course. Because you got to remember when it wasn't that long ago when a five-minute mile was, was like, broken oh like four minutes. Yeah. yeah. Come on. When I was in high school, I was running 435s consistently. You know what I mean? It wasn't, and that wasn't, and I wasn't even the fastest guy in my school. Yeah. There was a dude running like, uh, I he was running like four, like four thirteen or something like that. And then, yeah. and he went to Kenny. So we had two guys from my team in some ghetto ass school who went to the Kenny meet, which, well, I don't know what it's called today, but in the old days it was called the Kenny meet, where the top runners in the country got together and they ran, and all those kids were running under four fifteen miles. You know what I mean? So, and it wasn't that long ago when a five minute mile was unheard of. So we're not even close to our potential uh, as humans. And, and that Navy SEAL guy, Navy SEAL guy kind of proves that. No, who, who works as hard as he does? Seriously, out yeah. of all the people you know, who works as hard as him? Nobody. Nobody. I mean, nobody. I mean, I slacked off. I, I was a goof. And I was still good as an athlete. I, I wasn't, you know, training that hard or or anything like that and i was pretty successful. And, well and that's the thing that's what's so powerful about his story is that he's not somebody who was athletically gifted this guy was a 300 pound man who was spraying for cockroaches and he became a navy <laughs> seal because part of the requirements you had to drop 100 pounds you wouldn't even be eligible can you imagine trying to go through buds at 300 pounds you wouldn't survive navy yeah. seal training is i don't think people realize Brutal. that navy seal training is ridiculous did you know there's a part i'm gonna sidebar here but i have to talk about this there's a part that someone told me about i actually i think i heard this from an actual navy seal where it's a part of buds right so they train in the water and there's a part where they got to carry an oxygen tank on their back and the the trainers simulate shark attacks they literally go after them and at any point they pull the tank off of you take your oxygen mask off and then tie knots and you have to stay calm with whatever oxygen is in your breath and and actually put it all back together with whatever oxygen you got left and they do that to you for 30 minutes like over and over again like can you like I'm just and that that's just like one percent of what they yeah. like. I'm no, trying to no, think here. Navy seals are crazy. They're freaks well, among men. I'm like it's I just people don't know this, but if you see the training that the Air Force pararescue team does, <laughs> it's insane. Everybody talk about human potential. Like out. Air Force Special Forces are no joke. They're no joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's like. You they carved out of stone when you go through that. Like it's no, but I'm telling you now, like because not only are they physically superior to anybody else, but they're mentally superior too. Yeah, because the whole point of rescue is to save these quote unquote you know people that need to be saved that probably aren't even worth saving. But dude, like the training they gotta do is I know. Because I, 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 I look at what Navy SEALs and Special Forces go through, and I'm like, anything that I do that I regard as a challenge pales in comparison. Like, I'm sitting here trying to make some money, and these guys are mastering their minds. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get it. No, I get it. But and if, so back to 12 steps. Step two, we got that covered, right? Like, because yeah. I believe this, every, every psychologist and every psychiatrist will believe in the first step but then everybody struggles with the second step but i believe in the second step now now i believe in this whole program because when i read it i'm thinking hmm well step three is kind of crazy 
but I still don't really believe in it. But eh. But okay, so this is step three. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. See, and I just don't believe anyone can understand God. <laughs> I really, I, I, it's like, how can we understand him? You know what I mean? Like somebody that powerful, somebody that great. How can we understand what the hell he wants? I don't think it's the goal to understand him completely, but to get closer. That's all it is. Like, you know, I don't think that for an instant you got to know everything. And I don't think you can. I don't think you can comprehend that being human. Yeah, no, no. And, and that's and that's the truth. Uh, but see, but that's where the scientific, well, not a scientific community. So, well, you know, because the thing is, that's why it's so dismissed. And, and people are trying, people are trying to develop a, a new 12-step program that's not doesn't have god in it because now they call it like peer-to-peer -peer mentoring and things like that yeah the thing is i honestly believe it's like the reason why peer-to-peer -peer mentoring works but specifically you know the 12-step program is because you know you just you just gotta admit that you have this addiction for no fault of your own and you're weak and there's a greater power and you just got to give yourself up to that power. And hopefully, you know, your friends who've gone through it and are in recovery can help you through it. Right. Because that, that, that's where people start like at step three, they're like, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. That, that's, that sounds too iffy because I used to think like that dude, like seriously. But see, the thing is, the way this works is when you go through all 12, like faithfully, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, hey, you know, I'm just going to do steps one, two, four, nine, and 11 and forget the rest, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but a lot of people try to do that, though. And what happens? They um, inevitably fail. Well, 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 they're expensive programs, you know, that, that you know, like, a, like, again, like I said, these. Wait, I know, thought AA was free. Are God's. So instead of, you know, using God, they just use this program and, uh, you know, I don't want to name any programs, but you know, these programs believe that they're God and they're going to charge you like they're God. And, you know, and I swear to you, the success rate is not as good as people believe it is. It's just, they don't have a good success rate. Not like AA. AA, I don't want to say is 100% successful. Well, yeah, it's not, but. But it's very, very – I mean, I would say it's 100% successful because everybody knows that they're still addicts and they can relapse at any time. And if you could admit that and know that, you're way ahead of the game. So, like, when you go to these other programs, you feel like, oh, yeah, I, I'm no longer addicted. I Nothing. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, they're not even open to the possibility that – they can get drunk again and act a fool. Well, again. that's why it's a daily, it's a daily practice. Like I talk to addicts all the time who've come clean and they say, it's a daily thing. I, and they, and that's the thing. It's, it goes back to the first step, which is like, I am powerless. I am powerless when it comes to this. Shoot. We're only on step three and it's already 45 <laughs> minutes in. So all good. <laughs> no, we can keep talking about this. Okay. So let's just jump to step four, made a searching and fearless moral into uh, inventory of ourselves 
that's cool. You got to do that. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? I think, it, I think it's, it's, it, what that allows you to do is it allows you to become more introspective. Cause I don't think that you can operate this just based on what has already been listed. You have to search within yourself because you have to like, you know what I mean? Think about how addictions start, right? We all typically have heard the cross examinations of traumatic stories, bad history, abusive households, whatever it may be. And so I think that that, is part of it as well. Well, see, okay, so how I was taught how to view addiction is it was a crutch for something, like courage. If you were somebody who needed to drink to talk to girls, and then if, you know, and then you just overdid it when you're doing it. You know, first you used to do it on Saturdays. You never met anybody because you're just obnoxious as a drunk. So now you're like, you know what? If I increase the amount of days to talk to girls, I'm going to do it Friday and Saturday. And now they're doing it Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then they pick up every other Sunday as well as every, you know, Friday, Saturday, every other Sunday. Now they're doing Thursdays and you know what I mean? So, and, and that's, that's how we were taught addiction start. It's just something that's normal. You know, like you do something in moderation because that's the thing. Somebody should be able to live in moderation as far as, uh, as far as like drinking. There's nothing wrong with alcohol. I mean, people drink all the time. People are mean drunks or whatever. And uh, it's just, they took something that should be done in moderation and now they're overdoing it where it's destroying their lives. And yeah, and I think alcohol is an, an interesting thing because I'm not going to regard that specific practice as being like sinful behavior like the bible did i mean it's like you know god gave us alcohol to, i always say this but god gave us alcohol to party but in moderation <laughs> yeah pretty <laughs> much i mean he gave us everything in moderate like you know you do some i mean that's the thing like here's the thing all the things that we can indulge in that have created uh, addictive behavior which is basically anything anything that elicits an emotional response can be addictive but things like food sex you know like alcohol like i mean except for those man-made substances that alter your mind it's like you know i mean here's the thing believe it or not god actually gave us sex he just yeah. but he also understood like with those commands like if you're promiscuous it'll inherently destroy your relationships but he's not wrong when that is said there's truth to that it's like dude like if you well, i am very curious about all that stuff I really am because it's like I'm still confused about the, what happened in the Garden of Eden and stuff. We can talk more about that, but let, let's move on to the next step because I think that this one is an important thing about accountability, which is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. I think that's great. That's why it's good to have a buddy system. I have a buddy system for my addictions. Just like, dude. The two of you, you guys can help each other up. You don't want to go through this alone. You shouldn't go through this alone. And you, again, back to the first step, you can't do this alone because you are powerless by yourself. That's yeah. why it works so well. No, no well, see, and, and, and everybody believes in that. I don't know any psychiatrist or psychologist that doesn't say, look, you got to admit it to yourself. The first thing you got to do, like that's part of the first, like, the first step and the fifth step are almost identical, you know, because... Uh, you got to, like, you're admitting it to yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you have to. You, you live in denial. It doesn't work. 
Yeah, because you can't lie to yourself, you know, because if you're going to lie to yourself, you're going to lie to others. But once you can admit the truth, you got to tell it to somebody else. And, and, and then, um, and this actually, this actually does come from a, a, a pastor's friend that I had. Hi, counselor. How do I know when she's in she the room? She doesn't know that she doesn't know that you're talking to her. Hi, counselor. We can't say your name on here. <laughs> she, I don't know. I think she might be upset. Can you hear her? A little bit. I hear someone making coffee. <laughs> this is gonna come into the podcast. Like people are gonna be like, what's going on back there? Yeah, it's actually cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's funny. <laughs> I thought she was grounding coffee. No, no, no. She just got out of court today. Oh, okay. So, anyway, yeah, what, what were you saying about your pastor friend? I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay, so my okay, so my pastor friend says something about you always need a witness, and uh, and he said something like you know like I've had a fucked up life, and because uh, like, we were on the same team together. You know, my my pastor friend and I we grew up together, and uh, basically he told me my life was pretty bad, like growing up as kids. And uh, anyway, so uh, he told me, but the only thing saving me was that I've always had a witness, you know, and, and because I've had a witness and I don't lie that, that, that God is going to have grace on me. <laughs> I'm like, what? But I think that's what the fifth step is talking about. Like uh, something about admitting to God and to ourselves and to another human being. But isn't that, but what you just mentioned is the sixth step back at you. Read it. When entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Huh, interesting. What you just said is We're entirely ready to, to have the next God step. Remove all these defects. Huh, interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's something odd. That's the odd, uh, yeah, that's an that odd. odd? That fits. That works. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's an odd. Uh, see, like, I would never, like, uh, like, I'm telling you now, like, this would be so hard for atheists to to like i get i get what like my pastor friend said i get what this fifth and sixth step are saying but come on what if you don't believe in god <laughs> so and you acknowledge there is a higher power i mean i don't think okay people who have gone through aa not all of them were believers in god yeah well are you sure about whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. i didn't have her yet there I'm we just go. shaking that thing off for her. Okay. Hi, counselor. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Very unenthused, just like yeah. <laughs> no, but anyway, so uh, yeah, man, that's some crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. Ah, this. Okay, so this is great. I'm glad we're talking about this because it's. I can yeah, no, tell. Like, oh you look. Goodness, you look surprised and looking. troubled at the same time. I love it. <laughs> well, because you got to realize something. This whole like, yeah, I just don't see how God is going to remove it. Like, why would He do it? You know what I mean? Like, and I get it. Like, and see now all of these things from like growing up and, and like all my friends that I've wronged that always forgave me. <laughs> no, because you know it's kind of weird. Like, especially with my pastor friend, he uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did some, like, because, like, I, I, I told, well, okay, so here's the thing. I believe, like, my only vice has always been women and sex. 
That's my vice. That, that's my vice too. Women and sex have been my vice. Yeah, no, I'm telling you now. It's and it's. We're, we're very similar. We're very similar. <laughs> you and I don't do drugs, but we have our own idols that unfortunately have taken us down. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm just thinking like this. Like, uh, my God, I wonder if he, that's what he was talking about. You know, like you know, like who knows? Could have been. Jesus, my God. But anyway, but that's my whole point. So like. Let's just say I'm addicted to women. <laughs> but how would you admit take it? This away from me if he gave it to me. You know what I'm saying? You know, and that's the thing that that's uh, see, like for any professional, any psychiatrist, any psychologist, they wouldn't use God because, in theory, God gave this to you, so it wouldn't make any. No, sense. no, no, no. God didn't give it to you. The world gave it to you. Yeah, see, that's where we're confused. That's where it was like, wait a minute. <laughs> God gave us the world. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> I don't want to get it. But that, that's <laughs> one step at a time, man. Don't go down a rabbit hole. But <laughs> okay, I believe in number seven, the humbly ask while not asking him, but you got to humble yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a thing about having humility. And yeah. Oh, 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 you're going to love this about humility. I was just reading about this in this book. And I'm glad, dude, everything is fitting. It's like, this is divine intervention right here. <laughs> no, no, there's something about um, humility in here real quick. Let me just find it because it is good. This is cool that, hold on, where was it? Uh, but keep talking while I look it up. Well, okay, so here's the thing, like, but okay, so I'm going to say it. See, now, what stops my addiction? I'm old. My dick don't work anymore. So that's the cure. I'm not, you know what I mean? So when you're old, I think when you're young, you're supposed to be whatever it is, like with whatever addiction with women or whatever. But when you get old, nature has a way of taking care of it. It's just how it goes. It's, but then I could, yeah, but then now they got Viagra. See, and that's the thing, like there's like, yeah, it doesn't make any. They got Cialis for you. You're, yeah, no, you're but I wouldn't take that. That that's 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 like you know. You, I, I believe everybody's had their time. Like I've had my time, and it's no longer you know. If my junk don't work, then it doesn't work, and that's <laughs> that. You're old. You know what I mean? It's just how it goes. It, I don't think it's that simple, though. I don't. I don't really think it's that simple. <laughs> no, but obviously not because everybody's taking Viagra. All these old dudes, but you know Viagra uh, and Cialis, whatever they create nitrates. Those things can give you heart attacks. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. That problem is not the way to fix it. Yeah, but people are stupid, so they're gonna take it. Okay, like, so I don't I, understand why people worship medications. Well, I mean, it's amazing to me. It really is. <laughs> Hey, it didn't come from the living God. What I will say, I can't find the, the thing in this book that I'm reading about pride and humility, but it goes something like this. I'll try to paraphrase the best I can. Pride is selfishness. Humility is you think highly of yourself, but you you acknowledge others. So it's like it's, it goes back to the process of like, if you have pride, it's very self-centered. It's just on you, yeah. right? Humility is about, it's about inclusion. It's not about exclusion. Think about it. Oh, no, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because yeah. I keep telling everybody pride is everybody's downfall. Like, well, that's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. I don't go that far. Really? I don't know. I thought he got kicked out of heaven for other reasons. 
You know, because I read the comic book. There's Lucifer, the comic book. It's actually really good. I, I, <laughs> you watched the TV show? There's a TV show called Lucifer. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Like the 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 TV show and the com- It's based on the comic. The ah. T- so, uh, but you got to read the comic. It's actually it's actually pretty good. It, it's uh, they got a lot in the comic that that uh. So I hate to say it, that's where I get my understanding from the Bibles, from the comic books. <laughs> it's like, but anyway. But uh oh my goodness. But uh this whole thing about pride, it, it's it's real destructive in my opinion. And anybody who uses pride, like brown pride, Chicano pride, which is basically the same thing, gay pride, you know it's bad. It's just yeah. a bad group because you know, like seriously, you're proud just because of your something you had nothing to do with. Or you're proud because you have sex. It makes no sense. Everybody has sex. Why be proud about it? It's you know, it's not an achievement that nobody can do. If I wanted to be gay, I could be gay. It's not that hard. You know, just blindfold me and make me do gay stuff. It ain't that hard. You know what I mean? It's why do I have to be proud about that? The whole and that's the thing. It's like. This well, whole thing about pride is just it's the downfall of a lot of men. It really is. Well, not just down, but it's stupidity peddled in our society. Like it's just that stupid. Oh, I'm proud to be brown. Really? Black pride. Well, I had no say if I wanted to be black or not. I was born black. My parents got horny. They had me, and that's that. You know what I mean? So why am I proud about that? Oh no, you're missing it. No, I'm not missing anything. It's just coincidence. And you're you want me to be to have pride on coincidence, not an achievement that I did for myself that nobody else can do. Or, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm proud because I went to McDonald's today. Really? You went, you bought a Big Mac? Yeah, I'm proud. Why? It's just a Big Mac. You know, and that's why it's like, um, yeah, I think the seventh step is real important because humble is not what we are. Or not. How many humble people do you honestly know? Shit, I even know homeless people that aren't humble. They my dad's my dad's pretty humble. I know some people. They're but they're few and far between. Yeah, very few and far between. Like I'm trying to be more humble, not trying to be so arrogant all the time. Yeah, but it's gonna be hard because you're on TV and then you Well, I you know, I, I have to humble myself before the Lord my God, and he's the only person who can take that away. Well, oh, yeah, but but then <laughs> no, I'm serious. You know, that's a big you're doing like, this and you're living by your own terms, right? And not acknowledging something else or other people or whatnot, you will inherently have pride regardless. It's just human nature. That's part of our flaws. Yeah, well, I, I believe like pride in moderation. You know what I mean? Like, and if you're moderately proud, then yeah, because you should be proud of your achievements. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you should have a little pride in yourself. That's how you get a woman. If you if you have no pride, you can never land a lady or a guy if you're gay or whatever. Women are listening. You can't get a guy if you have, you know, you just can't be a slob. You know right. what I mean? You got to have some pride in yourself. But you no, know, I get what, you know, I get why we need pride. But at the same time, it's one of those double-edged swords where too much can kill you and not enough will leave you a lonely virgin. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But, but I think the next one is good. The next one is make a list of people we have harmed, become willing to make amends to them all. I think that's reasonable. I mean, it doesn't make it, it's not necessarily just 
but that's okay. It's about still doing it, even if people are going to be accepting of you. Yeah, we don't practice that in the hospital at all. Solving of all responsibility and accountability. Here's some medication. You can pick it up at the front desk. No, but we don't. We come on. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's 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 like this. I take some exception to only because you never know. What if these people have restraining orders against you? (laughs) Then communicate through lawyers. (laughs) Yeah, no, and that's why it's like it might be impossible to do. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. But do, but I think the point here is to do the best you can. Cause like, Hey, it's yeah. like, what if I, I left a few off this list? Like, what about that time I drunk punched that guy outside of the circle? K? it's like, okay, you know what I mean? Like within reason. Well, Use but you gotta remember too, a lot of these drunks and, I, and it's just, that's why drunk it's like, punch the guy outside the circle. Well, no, but they do a lot of gross things. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, they have sex with children. Oh, come on, man. You had to go there. No, but that's what do you think these people do? They molest their family members because, you know, they're drunk. You know, like, dude, I could tell you all kinds of stories. (laughs) We don't we don't have to go there now because I know we're running over the hour time. But yeah, but number eight, I'm telling you now, that's that's something that I probably would not agree with only because of what I've seen. (laughs) <laughs> because there's no way you can never make amends for a lot of these people. You just belong in prison and just hope God forgives you for what you've done. Well, but see, here's the next thing, though. It says become willing to make amends. It didn't say because the next the next rule, the next step is make direct amends with such people wherever possible, except I want you to finish that oh, okay, sentence. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I got you covered. You see what I mean? Someone would injure them or others. There we go. Isn't that great yeah. how it works so out? Would, and, okay, yeah. So I'm telling you, we not, we're not taught these 12 steps. But okay, so... But you see, like, that's the thing. The next step basically takes care of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, because like the whole the biggest problem i have with this is the whole god aspect but the be but willing you part, automatically not want to do this you know what yeah, I mean? be, yeah but it's, but, but it's, if i'm open and honest about it yeah that's this part is like, of it you gotta humble yourself you see what i'm saying yeah part of being humble is what like it said the first step acknowledging that there's something more than you so why not be open to it why not yeah no i'm open to it i'm just that's no, 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 what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this hypothetically for you know yeah. say somebody who's trying to overcome alcoholism or whatever but that's that's kind of funny how that works huh because yeah, now it's just well, like well if you got a restraining order against me and you can't see me no but that's <laughs> the truth because a lot of these kids like dude you don't even know like and i hate to say this because i know a lot of people who may or may not listen they know a lot of like lgbtq type people and, and i'm telling you now Without exception, every gay person I've ever met had had a drunk person just molest them as kids. You know what I mean? Like, I just never met. I mean, maybe now in today's LGBT community, it's different because now media is teaching them how to be effeminate and stuff like that. But in the old days, man, these people were abused. I mean, it's just how it works. So, but either way, I mean, it's just... um, I just don't, I mean, I see, I see how this works and I totally agree and I still support it. But for me personally, it's just hard to believe that, that these people really are going to like start turning to God. You know what I mean? I don't think it's about turning to God. This is about 
overcoming your addiction. It may be it a stepping stone. Without God, I'm telling you now, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work without God. Oh, okay. Well, no, the next I'm telling you now because like medications will not work with this. Seeing a ther- like I can't imagine talking to a therapist and going through these twelve steps. There's no way. There's no way it'll work. It but has it to does. be believes in God to do this. Like it really, like I had no idea. Okay. Was- so, but, but at what point in these steps does it say believe in God? It just says, admit that you are powerless over it and give it over to God. You don't have to believe in him. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. But what I'm saying is, but I like, it has to be somebody like, cause you know, like that one judge, the one judge that I knew, he was like in charge of this program. And he was the one sending people to these uh, 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 halfway houses and things like that where you can get clean and sober. But I'm telling you now, it has to take people like that who have a good moral compass. See, because my moral compass is bankrupt. (laughs) So there is no way I can do Like, I can't teach somebody this stuff or be somebody's counselor. Why not? What's like really what? I'm morally like you really have to have good high standing morals to no, do. No, 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 you don't. You don't have to have high standing morals. You just have to believe. Yeah, but here's the thing. Sought through. Okay, now we're on step ten. Ten and eleven. Continue yeah. to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. When we were wrong. So it's yeah, a it's okay. a it's a it's a step by step process, but I think the next step kind of falls in line too, which is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. They yeah, work together. See, I believe. I don't know. Like I got to sit through one of these programs. I really do. I got to see it in action. Although I believe it because look, just through the stats nothing's better than 12 steps. It's the most successful therapy we have going. It just is. And everybody needs to admit it. Everybody needs to admit this. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time and you know, the only successes I'll be honest with the people I've had weren't so much people who were like, you know, regular addicts, but with people who are truly developmentally disabled or truly mentally ill with some serious, you know, like diagnoses, you know, like paranoid schizophrenics, uh, people who are dual diagnosed with mental illness and developmentally disability, uh, uh, developmental disabilities, like, you know, but those are the extreme ends. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah, like they need it. Like, this is like normal stuff that people go through. You know what I mean? Like these 12 steps, it's, it's like for, everybody on the planet but, <laughs> really but, but see the thing is i think that's that therein lies the problem is that we are still there's too much acknowledgement on our individual standpoint that we can handle this by ourselves and we're not giving it up to god that's what that's the recipe for failure is that there's no complete surrender because we still think inwardly we still think how do i how do i it, it's that's part of it part of it is knowing what you don't know See, that's, that's, that's part of the threshold when people say, I don't see how this works. Yeah, you're not supposed to, but, you're, but trusting in the process and acknowledging that you're going to cross a frontier that you've never been to is part of the process. And you can't tell somebody who is obviously a crack addict right now to just see the light because I demand it. No, that's why there's steps. That's why it's not a pill. That's why it's not a prescription. It's a journey. 
Yeah. And I think that that's what makes it powerful. And um, I mean, I'm obviously going to be biased because I'm speaking from a faith-based perspective as a believer in God and, you know, a Christian. That's, that, that's why I'm saying it like this, but I can understand an individual's skepticism with this because it's all about not knowing. See, it's, it's, it's like, it's not like, Hey, take these pills because the pills say what, what do they remedy? Okay. They, they decrease this behavior or they give you treatment for this, right? That's, that's solution. That's not what this is about. Yeah. This is about well, not knowing. Cause if you knew, then everybody would be successful. Yeah, no, that's true. Jesus. That, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very true. <laughs> but, but see, that's what I'm saying. So that, that ties into the final step, what I just said, which is having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. But you can't have done step one and think you can do step 12 just by giving it up. You got to go through the steps because the last part is basically helping other alcoholics, right? Helping other addicts and then practicing these principles in all our affairs. Now note that it's practice. Practice does not imply perfection or, you know, it is a commitment, but you, it, it, it's a series of things that you put into practice every day. That's why when I talk to people who have, who are recovering addicts, who've been clean 10 years, 15 years, they're like, yeah, dude, it's a day. every day. It's like, I get it now. I had an awakening, but it doesn't mean I am completely immune to it. I know that I have to revisit these steps in my head and just be like, no, 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 no. You are not ever, ever, ever having another drink. Think about how many people also relapse before they finally find God, sobriety. Yeah. You know? Like that must, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know too many people that are just like, oh, well, psh. you know, they, they've tried like 10 times and it only, they, they've all said consistently the one thing, the, the reason why they're sober today talking to me is because it's complete and utter surrender to the thing that you don't quite understand. That's, so, part, of, that's part of it. Because if you knew everything, you'd fix yourself by yourself and you wouldn't have to have this conversation with anybody. Well, my thing is this support group, right? Yeah. Who are they? Like, where do you find them? Where would you get them? Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah. I don't know. I've never been to one, but I would imagine it's other people who are struggling with the same uh, vices. And I'm sure they got groups around that you can just attend and talk to people because that that's the whole thing like i'm telling you now it's see do churches do this yep okay in fact churches also do this for people who are in debt you know it's not just like really but it's yeah gambling addiction debts sex addiction drug addiction like you said any kind of addiction you said this yourself you know it's like yeah it's because all of it is is all of it is a pattern of behavior that you can intervene on. But part of the intervention process is, is going through the steps, not prescribing somebody medication that's going to solve their problem. That's why it's so effective. See, I like number seven, just, just being humble. Yeah, I think number yeah. seven is pretty important for going into the process because you got to be humble. You got you to have humility in order to admit that you're powerless. I'm telling you, man, like this is, this is very, very interesting because like groups, yeah. I, I, how old is this 12 step program? Uh, it was started in 1935 during the depression. So it's about 90 years old, almost a hundred years old. Just thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, hmm. What's this on your is mind? very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, because I used to believe my groups are like killer. 
Let's have the best groups because I had like, you know, there was a leader, co-leader. I got Yeah, but you 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 probably I can imagine you, you just slap it out of people. Just be like, get out of your feet. <laughs> no, but I was also drill, still, drill sergeant, yeah. No, seriously, I had a like seriously, like in my groups would always have four counselors. You know, you know, there was the leader, the co-leader, and then I had a door person, you know, like my sergeant in arms. Yeah. And then somebody, my timekeeper. You know what I mean? So somebody will keep us on time. So that way, uh yeah, that's how we were taught. You know what I mean? Like therapy, you know, gas, it has to be, if it's 90 minutes, it can't go like 91 minutes. Everybody has to get used to this routine, blah, 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 blah. You know, all these things that they would tell you. But then when you really look at us, it, like, man, we were so ineffective. And it makes you just kind of wonder, you know, this whole thing about religion. Yeah, this whole thing about religion is really fascinating for me. Mm. Um, just because we shy away from it yeah. and now everybody is like yeah you know what just do the 12 step peer to peer mentoring and things like this but well, I didn't know this is so heavy into God well the thing is it's a recent phenomenon because it's not something that has always been the case in fact prior to 1960 that's when prayer and religion were taken out of schools now here's the thing kids weren't forced to believe in God but it was teaching that was also complementary to the curriculum see this yeah. is also something i want to get into with you about uh have you, are you familiar with david horowitz yeah the the guy that um yeah everything we talk about he spouts he's but he's like a jew who believes in the judeo-christian values and the deterioration of those values from america and wasn't he the consumer guy like he's that's that's david horowitz he was uh from what, what I remember of David Horowitz, he used to have this show and he would fight consumer fraud or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I only know him from his writings on like progressive racism. He's got a new book called Dark Agenda, which is on the way. I'm looking forward to reading that. You know, progressivism, evil, you know, like the stuff we talk about. Oh, there's two David Horowitzes. So the one I'm talking about, yeah, he was a consumer advocate, David Horowitz. Yeah. And you're talking about David Writer. Horowitz, David Joel Horowitz. Horowitz. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it, that's that's what I've been kind of dissecting. And we definitely have to go into that in some later episodes. Well, okay, but, so well, before we go, because I, 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 I don't want to, you know. Yeah, yeah I got to wrap this up. I got to call in a bit. Okay, so check this out. So I always thought 12 Steps was like that TV show Mom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever saw that TV show, Mom, but they they show these you know the mother and daughter going to a twelve step program, and it's just them having goofy times and you know what I mean. Just I don't know. That's what I thought twelve steps were. Yeah, but no, I mean, but twelve steps is like super serious. Exactly. So I think this is going to be something that we're going to have to revisit and go into more thorough detail. But on a closing note, because we do have to wrap this up, Professor Dreg, what are your final thoughts on 12 steps? And I'm glad yeah, you well, reviewed it. I've never known what the 12 steps were. I always knew 12 steps as peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I'm an advocate for it because I figured, you know, who better to understand your problems other than people like you? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you don't ask, like – you know, I know this might sound chauvinistic, but I'm not going to go to a girl and tell her my man problems. You know what I mean? Because well, I don't think you understand. Need to. Yeah, I don't think you need to. And I don't think that 
this is no, a, no but hold on, on let me finish uh and i don't think it's the same women should not be seeking counsel from a man it's just not, because what the hell does he know about being a woman well, what they teach us even in the church and i've actually become more uh more leaning on this is that i don't think that men should counsel women in this area Especially, no they shouldn't no no it, it's dangerous it's like i've learned that w overcoming my addictions it's like dude if you're talking about you got problems with like pornography with sex addiction like talk no, to a man I, i'm not kidding no, no, i'm serious like i'm like i would i don't even trust myself in those oh areas. no i i know i don't Look, i don't trust myself in that area you know i know a therapist who <laughs> had sex with one of the patients ah no and that's why no and you know the thing is no but he no but this is even worse his defense was she was ready out of the hospital and I seen her on the streets and I'm like, I said, come on, man. No, but he lost. No, he's not working anymore, but still, but that's why you don't do it because that's what happens. You're going to yeah. try to, you know, as they say, bone them down. That, but that's the thing is that one thing that we men and our society doesn't teach us is the fact that implicitly that's what men do men men just want a bone it, it's it is like i acknowledge that and admit that even pastors will be like you know like there's this really funny sermon that i'll send you at one point where the pastor's like should men counsel women and he's just like and I, he would be like well okay i would have to ask my wife and all that right but he's just like from knowing what i know i don't even trust myself in this area and that's humility <laughs> that's humility right there where he's like my wife's okay with it and i told her woman i don't even trust myself doing this yeah uh, that that that's true. right because he he knows he knows that the innate thing that men do is they just want to go after women like i know yeah. that that's one of my problems that's my vice you know and it's yeah. like no but that, that's the point like and that's why i know this works because it's like-minded people counseling each other but yeah like it should be men counseling men and women counseling women and uh and that's just how it works I mean, I don't because the thing is, then the question comes: Well, what about gay men? Are you, is a straight gay guy gonna counsel a straight, uh, 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 not a straight, a gay guy? Um, I don't know. I, I said like we'll, we'll revisit that in a in a yeah, thing. But I'm gonna, I, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't mind. Like I've done it before. You know what I mean? So it's not like you know. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly hey, wrap up this podcast gay, if that's okay with you. Going through these messes, maybe not because he might be tempted. I guess. I mean, because why not? I mean, if a straight guy can't counsel straight, I mean, uh, you know, women, then a gay guy shouldn't be counseling gay men because he might try to take advantage of them. Because it's true. Like, why wouldn't he? Yeah, it's so, true. It's true. You know, so. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that in future episodes. But guys, thank you so much for listening to the American Maiden Page Show. Again, this was a very nice, in-depth analysis of it. I hope you guys got something out of it. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. It really is. And I'm glad we talked about this, Professor Drag. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you soon.